The nostalgia critic is officially over. Can't believe that. <laughs> it's finally done for good. Folks, in in <laughs> after to boldly flee, Doug Walker had decided that he was done with the nostalgia critic. He had done enough with that character and was decided to lay it to rest forever. And uh, because Nostalgia Critic, because that is his job, he needed something else to do on the side. And uh, what he decided to do was to pursue this little passion project of his, a sketch comedy series called Demo Reel. That was a, it, it's sort of a like a parody of movies. It's a mix between like a, it's it's sort of nostalgia critic-y because he still like comments on the quality of movies, but it's mostly character and sketch driven. And he made it. He made eight episodes, I believe, before it was so universally reviled that he had to cancel it and go back to doing the nostalgia critic. I don't even know and, if it was eight. I think it was like yeah. five full episodes and then maybe like one or two like shorts because part of the thing is that Demo Reel is like a bi-weekly show. So he would say, because it yeah. takes, because as he says at the beginning of the first episode, it takes so long to produce and so much effort, and you really see it on screen, um, <laughs> that it has to be bi-weekly, and then sort of in the off weeks that he was going to post like little like, you know, short videos or like blooper reels and shit. And I think that consumes yeah. like two or three more episodes. Um. Yeah. And it was so universally reviled, he had to cancel it and bring back the Nostalgia Critic. Uh, and I remember at the time that I never watched it at the time, but my my friends uh, who are into the Nostalgia Critic, in fact, some of them I probably got into the Nostalgia Critic at the time, were uh, were they even they thought this sucked. Like I remember my my buddy just describing to me with just just disgust about yeah they did a rap about the Batman villains. It was awful. <laughs> So, if you can't impress your audience of 12-year-olds, it's a very, very bad sign. So, Esther and I watched the first two episodes of Demo Reel, since it is an important missing link, I think, in the the Doug Walker story. And we wanted to, we wanted to get a, get a glimpse of what exactly... What exactly the Nostalgia Critic show that's too bad to continue looks like. <laughs> and it uh it's something. Esther, uh what did you think of Demo Reel episodes 1 and 2? I think what strikes me most about it like immediate, immediately is that like it really makes you appreciate the collaborators on the crossover movies. <laughs> It makes you appreciate how, like, there are different vibes and energies, even though Doug wrote all of them to be just Doug clones, like we've talked about. Like, there are, there is some variety there. Um, That is not present in Demo Reel. There are only, like, what, four other characters? There's two other main characters. And then there's, like... And then there's Rob and the Irish guy. Yeah, and who are, like, more minor roles. Um, Hmm. And yeah, it's 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 unwatchable. It's like truly, truly like dire and unfunny, and it it's it's also just bizarre. Like I would describe it as a crossover between The Office and Robot Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> it's the strangest fucking thing. Like you have these insufferable fucking 
movie parodies where it's like it is basically just the same construction as as nostalgia critic jokes where it's like yeah someone will say it's like the serious the thing. plot hole yeah plot hole and then someone will say the serious thing that they said in the movie and another character will be like uh so that was silly <laughs> and, yeah and then like intercut with it is these black and white sequences where it's like the cast in in, in their characters as like the the performers like rehearsing and it's all mm. like workplace comedy it's so fucking weird and really really bad it's awful but I think the one thing I appreciated about Demo Reel, even though this is absolutely unwatchable, I appreciated how fucking strange it is. Like, it, it's, it's not like anything else I've seen on the internet, really, or at least from, like, someone like Doug. It, it, it's, it's so strange. Like, okay, the first episode, we'll, like, go point by point, but the first episode is more standard, like, Doug comedy, but... Then the second episode feels like Doug trying to be Charlie Kaufman or something. Like, there's all this weird, like, interplay between, like, I want to say, like, interplay between reality and fiction or whatever. And there's just all of this, like, weird tonal hopping around. And there's, like, storylines and just, like, I don't know. There's, like, the sadness to the second one also. Like, the whole point of it is that the two other main characters don't really have friends or family besides each other. It's so fucking strange. It, it's, it's, it's genuinely one of the weirdest things I've ever seen someone like Doug put on the internet. And I guess even if it isn't watchable, I'm kind of amazed that Doug just kind of swung this hard for the fences after, after the nostalgia critic, like, this is a pretty, I don't know if you'd agree, but this feels like a pretty huge pivot from what he was doing to begin with. It is in some senses. Like we've talked about, you know, yeah. the humor is basically the same that it was in nostalgia. Yeah. The jokes are the same. But yeah, yeah. it is it, it, it is weird in a lot of ways. And it definitely like feels to me like, um, you know, Rob, we talked about last week how Rob, um, when he was writing to Boldly Flee, was really like, intent on making you care about the characters and that was like his main driving goal is like i really want everyone to care about the story and the characters and that has carried over more so in the second episode but like extremely in the second episode like the second episode is called uh uh, wreck it ralph versus angry birds or something and before you even get to any of that stuff there's this extended sequence where Doug's character talks about how he's going through a divorce and his wife has taken everything and he wants the other two, his co-workers, to hang out with him for Thanksgiving, but they don't want to, so they call their families and their families hate them and don't respect them. <laughs> and it goes on for, like everything with that, that Doug does, it goes on for fucking ever. It goes on for so long. Mm. But it's not just like an extended gag, like, you know, so much of Doug's humor is just the sideshow Bob stepping on rakes except not funny. I think he just thinks that if mm. the gag goes on for too long, that makes it funny. But it's like yeah. that. Except the, the, for th- that type of gag needs to be funny to start out with <laughs> exactly. in order to go to the not funny, then funny again thing. <laughs> He's applied that philosophy to these scenes of these like broken people, <laughs> like yeah. failing to connect like, with like their I loved said, ones. <laughs> like I said, it that second episode, it's like, it is feeling like Doug watching adaptation or something. It was just like, what if we did this? What if that is our new thing? <laughs> it really it really does feel like a 
it really does feel like Esther and I have differing opinions on Charlie Kaufman, but it does feel like just Doug trying to do his thing, basically. <laughs> to the point where I was like, I just messaged Esther while I was watching it, and I was like, I don't know if my brain is just falling out of my ears, but I would like to see Doug in a Charlie Kaufman movie. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be interesting I stand by that it would be interesting I, I cannot tell you it, it would, would not be interesting yeah it would be something <laughs> especially if they did the punch drunk love thing where it was like built around his persona <laughs> just have like a movie about a neurotic internet movie critic or something that is kind yeah that is kind of what this already is because Doug's character is yeah. um, what's his fucking name it starts with a D Donnie Donnie Dupre, yeah. Again, like, lightly fictionalized version of himself, right? Where he's this, like, complete egomaniac, doesn't care about his collaborators, and, like... That, but, side note, the part where he just is, like, mean as shit to his collaborators, (laughs) like, that that is some, like, exercising your demons on on film Yeah, that's some, like, like, return to the scene of the crime. (laughs) That, 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 that... (laughs) Like, we watched the making of documentary. He was very clearly insanely guilty about the hellish conditions that went through on that movie. And here he is just, like, trying to work through that shit on camera. Yeah. It, 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 if he is not, like, kept up at night at the, the fact that he made people put in 20-hour days for to boldly flee, then that is a remarkable coincidence. Yeah, and and, and at the same time, though, like... He is enacting that again on his new coworkers, on his new co-stars. Yeah. There's this incredible thing in the first episode where um, there's this extended bit about how to do the Bane voice from Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Um, which isn't funny, um, but because one of the Malcolm uh, is going to be playing Bane in their in their movie, um, but when they get to the Bane scenes. Uh, it's just Doug dubbing him over in his own Bane voice. And it's like Doug was saying after that whole fucking scene, the point of which is that I'm teaching the other character how to do the Bane voice. Well, at the end of the day, you know, I still have the best Bane voice. So, of course, I'm going to think, Jesus yeah. Christ. And he doesn't. He doesn't, though. I and think Malcolm doesn't. ended up with the better one. Yeah. So, I guess we should talk about uh, there's two fresh new faces in the Doug universe. And he sent out like a casting call for two new actors to be on his new show. And the people he got were Malcolm Ray and Rachel... I'm going to say tights. I'm going to say tights. Tights? Yeah. Uh, Malcolm is still around on the rebooted Nostalgia Critic. Uh, Rachel left pretty early on and was replaced by um, a woman named Tamara. Or Tamara. But uh, they're both here. And, you know... I complained in the the earlier Doug movies that uh, watching people who have their own persona, um, like Todd, try and be Doug is the most painful thing in the world. These people do not have that problem. <laughs> they are fully cued into Doug's wavelength. Absolutely, they are they are in sync with him. Yeah, it is it is. Absolutely no surprise that if you go to Malcolm Ray's IMDb page, he is credited for seven episodes of Demo Reel and 250 episodes of The Nostalgia Critic after Demo Reel. Yeah, they, they are fully on, fully get Doug's shtick. I would not be surprised if they weren't both fans before they did the audition. Totally. And it, oh God, it's, 
on the one hand, I, I kind of admire and maybe even enjoy a little bit their enthusiasm. They're, they're much happier to be on set than literally anyone else's besides Linkara or whatever. <laughs> but on the other hand, watching a series that is just four different Dugs being Doug is, it's a lot. It, it it takes something out of you. Yeah, it was. You're right, though. It was almost startling to watch one of these and, like, look at other people on screen next to Doug and they seem to be, like, engaged with the material he's given them, which fucking sucks, obviously. But they're not, like, yeah. clearly repelled by him <laughs> or the things that he's making them say. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. yeah. I think if if I have anything really positive to say about this, it's that... Everyone seems to be having fun making this, and even if it's bad, or no, I'll, I'll take that back. The main three seem to be having fun. I don't know what the fuck Rob's doing, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but the main three are seem to be having a good time making this, and I guess it would have to be partially because Doug got this new spark because he he gets to do his own thing now uh, for a little bit, but. It definitely feels less like a zombie, like, ambling along the sidewalk and more three three very unfunny people having a good time. It, you you kind of, you can't get too mad at it because they're, they're clearly all just very excited to, you know, do this horrible, horrible thing. And there's not that sense of exhaustion and laziness that was, that kind of was all over the crossover movies where it felt like nobody yeah. cared. Nobody was fucking even trying, especially in the, like, the, just the technical aspects of it. This one definitely feels like, you know, there's weird things. Like, the edit, the edits are, like, sharper, weirdly. You know, they'll cut. Yeah. And, if, again, they're just imitating the way that, like, The Office is cut. And the way that they'll just, like, you know, right after a punchline, yeah. they'll just cut away to the next thing. Um, but it, like, it works, and it feels like there's being effort put in, which yeah. maybe that's why, like this was so poorly received, I think, because <laughs> the vibe yeah. is so different. No, like there's a, there's a sequence in the second episode where it's like the camera from a Turkey's point of view. <laughs> and it's like found footage from the Turkey POV. <laughs> and it's like the most formally ambitious thing Doug has ever done. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I think you're right. I think that if this was worse, it might've been better received. But because it clearly has the strain of, like, a real show, I think it might make, like, the bad jokes stand out more. And it is all bad jokes. Okay. Yeah. There was one joke that did make me laugh at the beginning where it's like they're setting up the, um, they're setting up the, the setting, basically, of where they are. And they introduce it with, like, the date and time thing. And it just says, Scary Philadelphia. <laughs> I thought of you when I saw that. I thought Spencer laughed at that 100%. Yeah. that uh, was like, did... What? What? Is Doug stealing my jokes? <laughs> Is the sapphic white boy going to be in this? <laughs> and... Yeah, no, but uh, after that, it is... It is... Oh, another thing that sounds like a joke I would come up with is when when he Doug is dressed as Batman and he just starts talking like Dracula and starts acting like Dracula for a moment there I thought that was pretty funny and that they just took it out way too long yeah. but no, there there was there was some like okay ideas for jokes in there um but anyways it uh 
The premise of the show is it is about a guy who, for his career, he, instead of making movies, he remakes them in, like, better and more efficient ways. Except they're all, like, you know, horribly cobbled together and they're, you know, four minutes long and they're just people, like, reenacting scenes and making fun of the stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, uh... And what what movie do they start out making fun of? The first I think, one in the first episode is The Sixth Sense. Um, yes, The Sixth Sense. Yeah, but then there's like, you know, uh, the Ghostbusters are there and, and Bill Cosby's ghost dad is there. And it's like, that's... Oh, yeah, and Casper. Yeah, and Casper. And it's like, that's part of the... Again, cl- just classic Doug. It's like, isn't it funny when there's lots of different movies, but they're, it's at the same time? Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and it ends with, uh, it ends with, oh, let's look at the reception. And one of the jokes is M. Night Shyamalan said, I thought my twists were bad. Okay, look, I'm not even an M. Night Shyamalan fan, but like the, the, the jokes about him were getting tired by like 2009. Yeah. It, 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 this is like what, 2014? This is exhausted by the time it came out. For sure. For <sighs> sure. So, and then it cuts, like, to the office, to the office-style setup in black and white where they're, like, writing the new, the new film they want to parody. And for starters, I've got to say, sound design, still an abomination. <laughs> still, still so bad. Like, yeah. you really have to see it to get it, but they don't know what noise reduction is still. <laughs> they don't know what room tone is still. So... Every scene where they're just, like, in the room together has this horrible hissing sound underneath everything. And I literally just wrote down in my notes, in all caps, NOISE REDUCTION. Get room tone and apply noise reduction <laughs> so you do not have this horrible hissing sound. God, yeah. It's, it is, it's fucking crazy, like, after all this time. When they've worked with professional, like, crew members on Tiboli Flynn. Yeah. You would think at some yeah. point they would like pick up something, some aspect of like any any lesson. I think they have sound gear too by this point. Like they have a studio. There is absolutely no excuse to have this much resources and still like not know how to make things sound like it wasn't filmed by a nine-year-old on a flip video camera. Uh, okay. So the, what they decide is they want to parody the uh, Nolan Batman movies, uh, which, again, another thing that was very, very thoroughly beaten to death by the time it came out. It, it's, so these were released in 2012 is the thing. And the, part of the yeah. premise here is that like, Doug wanted to parody like, current movies like, as they were coming out. Um, so like, Dark Knight Rises had just come out. It was probably several months old at that point. Um, so, like, I will give Doug, you know, the movies that he is aiming at here, you know, that we, at least in the episodes that we saw are, like, current. Now, if I look at the episode list for the episodes we haven't watched, I see Lost in Translation and The Blair Witch Project. So I think that premise kind of went out the door pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a... I'm parodying my favorite current movie, The Jazz Singer. <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel like we'll just be, like, listing all of the weird and inscrutable jokes in it. Like, they have a little backstory session for uh, Malcolm's character, Tacoma, 
and uh, Rachel's character. I forget her name. Rebecca. Rachel's whole character is that she would put on like one woman shows and one of the one oh, woman yeah, shows is Hamlet. And she's just like, yeah, if Hamlet was, I, I'm playing Hamlet's feminine side. It makes more sense if, if, she, if she was a girl or something. What she says specifically, what she says specifically is, I always thought of Hamlet as a man with a woman's soul inside him. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And I was just sitting there like, ooh. Oh boy. <laughs> ooh. The way these movies handle trans stuff is, <laughs> it's bad, but it's bad in like a very, very two years before Caitlyn Jenner type of <laughs> Like, it's not like old movies where it's just, like, vicious. Or it's not like 90s movies where it's just guys throwing up at the thought of trans people. Yeah. It's just, like, very, very specifically. Isn't it funny if a guy is so gay he becomes a woman? <laughs> yeah. God, it's... <laughs> and it's especially funny because... Um... Recently on International Women's Day, the Channel Awesome official Twitter did retweet a post that uh, stated unequivocally that trans women are women. Um, so thank you, Doug, for that. Thank you for your support. We love you. <laughs> and we appreciate you. Yeah, get get Esther a show on Channel Awesome. That's, what I- <laughs> That's how you can prove you're an hell. <laughs> if you really want to show your support, yeah, you got to let me on this side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways... Uh, there's a bunch of new characters also. The one that like made me the angriest was they <laughs> Rob is a character who's helping them out and he's like a Nazi scientist. Well, that's the weirdest and... fucking thing. So the whole setup of well, him is like he is yeah. not a Nazi. They say he's from East Germany and he was a Stasi yeah. agent, which again, like Doug and Rob Great grasp on history. <laughs> we love how yeah. smart you are. But he's doing like a German accent or whatever. Yeah, the whole character is like the whole. I, the, the, my understanding is that probably they just wanted to do like a former Nazi character, but they were like, hmm, maybe that won't fly. What if instead he was from East Germany and he was like, you know, communist secret police, <laughs> and yeah. then we could just do the same shit, and it's like the same. It's so weird. It's like a weird mix of like. Operation Paperclip Nazi scientist and just like epic Mother Russia TV watches you <laughs> Soviet guy. It's it's inscrutable. And then they have him like be best buds with a guy in the IRA, which if he's supposed to be a Nazi character, that doesn't make any fucking sense yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> if he's supposed to be a Soviet character, I guess that makes sense. But then 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 Demo Reel is officially anti-communist propaganda. Literally, yeah. That's that's the funniest yeah. thing about it is that like they're both they're playing it as like secret Nazi characters, but they're just communists. So then then the Batman parody begins in earnest, <laughs> and a huge chunk of it is dedicated to like, what should I dress up as? Something that's scary. And one other good joke is the first thing he dresses up is as Mario. And then he's just like, what? Mario is terrifying. <laughs> and I laughed at that. But then it like he starts explaining why Mario is terrifying. And it's the whole stepping on rakes thing all over again. Yeah. That scene also yeah, um, goes on forever. He tries on like 10 different costumes. Yeah. He tries on like 10 different costumes. And then the, the rest of it is just them like parodying the most famous scenes from the Batman trilogy, like, there's the, you know, stuff from Batman Begins about becoming Batman. There's the Dark Knight, uh, like, rescuing Rachel and Harvey Dent scene, uh, which, 
like it is it's just them like poking holes in the dark knight's plot like stuff like oh the joker's plan doesn't make any sense or um you know why are you rescuing your girlfriend instead of the most important person in gotham or stuff like that and again dark knight like four years old at this point everyone had already made all of these points about the movie and i've got to say as someone who thinks the dark knight is like a seven out of ten probably none of those criticisms matter whatsoever i am so fucking tired of hearing people's like oh the joker's plan doesn't make any sense who fucking cares yeah, oh my him. god <laughs> yeah jesus christ that's the, I, yeah I, something very special about doug is that he can take movies that i have absolutely no affection for and make me want to defend them yeah it's like, yeah, no, in real life, there aren't evil clowns that go around killing people with pencils either. It doesn't matter if he comes up with a convoluted plot to torture people. It's, it, I am so sick and tired of hearing the same four criticisms trotted out about the Dark Knight, especially when, like, 90% of the Dark Knight's biggest issues is that, like, it tries to stuff, like, seven movies into one, and two of them are pro-Bush propaganda. <laughs> Like in, enough. I am I am done with hearing shit about uh oh why why isn't why why doesn't he rescue the person who he has no attachment to instead of his girlfriend? The, okay. The, and, and, and the other <laughs> the other way that they like bizarre criticism of these movies that they really hammer on is like that Christopher Nolan movies don't make sense and they're hard to understand. Which like when you say that about Inception, that's a dumb criticism because Inception isn't hard to understand. But it markets itself as like a brain twister, right? Who the fuck walked yep. out of the Batman movies and was like, man, I don't know what the fuck just happened. That plot the, had me going in circles. The, I'll tell you who did. The coolest guy who ever lived. The, the coolest guy in the world walked out of the Batman movies. He's like, damn, I didn't understand any of that. But that rule. And you know who that guy was? Doug Walker. <laughs> after uh, after that, there there's the scene where they parody The Dark Knight Rises. And the part that made me feel like I was having a stroke was there is a this is an Arby's joke in this video <laughs> from 2012. He, <laughs> like credit where due, like they have a part where like Bane is like giving a speech. And then two people are like, sir, this is an Arby's. And I'm like, it's like what? What? Oh, Doug, always this, innovating. This, yeah, that was innovative. That was <laughs> that. That was a that was a bold step forward in the realm of comedy. It sucked, but like, goddamn, if I saw this in 2012, that would have brought the house down. <laughs> I, and there's a bunch of jokes about uh, how Doug treats his crew like shit. Again, very self-flagellating. And the 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 worst part about this first episode is that is that it's 40 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's this, it is so, so long. Almost it is 50 minutes. longer than like, yeah. It's as long as the Moulin Rouge review. It, it's, it's excruciating. And, oh, oh, and we got to talk about the, the really bad part. The supervillain shuffle. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, there's a, Extended joke about what Doug wants to do to parody all of the villains. Because, you know, Malcolm Ray, the screenwriter character, he's just like, which villain are we going to parody? And Doug says, all of them. And Malcolm's like, how is that going to work? That won't make any sense. And he's like, oh, it's simple. It's simple. I have an idea. And then they have like a bit where he's like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. He And 
he knows it's bad. Like, it, through the writing, he knows this is a terrible idea and horribly unfunny. But he does it anyway. He does. And what he does is a rap song about the Batman villains. Mm-hmm. It's as bad as you'd expect. Uh, it's a. Uh, this is. Here, in fact, here's the I, thing. <laughs> here's the thing about the super villain shuffle. Uh, there is a bit in there where the Joker, who's played by Malcolm, but is again dubbed by Doug, <laughs> um, does like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme, but instead he's like, you know, and this is a story all about how I got these scars. And, you know, if you posted that video of like that parody in 2008 on the internet, it would have been huge. Everybody would have loved that shit. But again, it's 2012. And like, from our current perspective, it seems insanely corny and outdated and dumb. But what we always have to remember with Doug is that even at the time, every, all this shit was the exact same way. And he did it anyway. Okay. I also have to say, uh, the supervillain shuffle is, I think, a bit of a ripoff of... One of the, actually, one of the a really great uh, sketch online. It's uh, the sex offender shuffle <laughs> in it, and it has like Nick Mundy in it, and it's a, it's like a old sketch from two thousand nine where they have like a joke about getting a bunch of sex offenders do like a really awkward rap song together, and it's I remember it being actually pretty funny. Uh, and it's kind of ahead of it, it. It was from like 2009, so it was pretty ahead of its time for this very dry, uh, dry type of internet humor. But yeah, Doug just kind of takes it and makes it to be about Batman, which is pretty epic. <laughs> and yeah, it's another example of Doug just not knowing what to like what to do aside from stealing other people's jokes. So. That is the first episode of this. Do we want to move on to the second one? I can't remember any fucking thing else in the first episode that would be worth talking about. It's literally just a nostalgic critic episode, yeah. but with more sketches. Yeah. It's it's literally just that. The second one, I had heard that demo reel after the first episode becomes darker and weirder <laughs> and becomes more character driven. And yeah, this is this is a this is a strange episode. It um it it uh you know, it's partially it's about parodying Wreck-It Ralph, and the Wreck-It Ralph parodies are interminable, and I could barely even pay attention during them. But uh, a lot of this is dedicated to, like Esther said, it is about, uh, you know, these characters not having any friends or family, and it feels like them, like Doug exercising some demons. But, uh, yeah, there's also, like, this is very plot-heavy in this one. There, there, this turns into like a found footage horror movie, which you know Esther is the <laughs> is the gr- biggest fan I know of found footage horror. So why don't you talk about uh, the the Grand Turkey Massacre it's, in this film? It's this I I couldn't even fucking follow like what was happening for a lot of this. There's a whole thing where <laughs> Rob's character has like gotten this turkey, but it gives you like bird flu and it like infects everybody. And it like because it gets loose and it's running around and they've attached a, t- a camera to it so you're getting turkey cam, but also like the characters who are chasing it are holding their own cameras, um, so it is kind of found footage esque in its styling. Um, the most bizarre thing about it is that there is no like reference to the fact that that's what they're doing, which really is like <laughs> usually Doug would never drop the ball like that, you know? 
Usually if he's referencing yeah. something, like he you're going to know that he's directly referencing something. But in this, it's just like, mm. it, it is maybe the first time ever that Doug has produced something that is stylistic and, you know, not original, but that is, is stylistic in a way that is not just making sure you know that he has seen something before. It's so yeah. fucking weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. And I guess it might have contributed to why the series went over so poorly. And... So, yeah, there's this whole extended sequence about it, and there's, like, you know, while Doug is trying to make the Wreck-It Ralph parody, there's, like, this giant, like, hunt for this evil turkey. And there's also a joke about outside the warehouse where they're filming stuff. There's, like, mafia activity. <laughs> and the turkey, like, kills the mobsters in this one, or, like, attacks the mobsters. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah. And anyways, this was the episode where, you know... As all of this stuff with, like, the turkey camera and, like, this self-hatred aspect, this is where I started to realize, as bad as this is, does this show have, like, more potential than the Nostalgia Critic? Like, is, is, is would it be possible where, if Doug, not the least funny person on the planet, that this would actually be, like, this could actually be something? I, I still don't know, because it is really, really bad, but, like... The idea of this, like, pathetic loser trying to do movie parodies, I, I don't know. There's something to it that I think is smarter auteur than Doug Walker would have handled. But I, I'm curious to see what your input is. I don't know. I, I'd have to, like, I mean, I'm, you know, we'll see over the course of this conversation, I guess. But I will say that, yeah, it is it is undeniably much more ambitious than the Nostalgia Critic. Yeah. The Nostalgia Critic is just him and he says this at the kind of intro to the first episode like it's just him sitting in front of a blank wall that's all there is to it yeah and this is like they're actually going and shooting things on a set uh which is like you know probably just a fucking warehouse but whatever and there's like costumes and there's effects and there's you know actual like dialogue in the scripts between characters and it's and and that requires like you know jokes that require editing to to sort of get you to the punchline um and none of this is good, but it is definitely, yeah. like, it represents, I think, Doug wanting to put effort in. And it gives me the impression that, like, one of the reasons he wanted to be done with Nostalgia Critic is that he just didn't feel proud of what he was doing. Because there's just, mm. it takes no effort to make a Nostalgia Critic episode. He was just shitting the one out yeah. every week. It's so easy. And I think he wanted to be like, yeah. no, like, I can actually, like, I can produce something that is better than this if i actually try and this is what we are seeing is the result of doug walker's effort and it's again it's bad but it yeah i i, I guess i i see your point there is definitely like there is something here that he has hit on i think accidentally some from somewhere deep in his psychology <laughs> some yeah. sort of like uh uh interesting concept about what yeah. if it, what if there was a sad pathetic loser who did movie parodies all the time? Yeah, Doug, what would that be like? I think I think if Doug was capable of maturing as a filmmaker, if we look at this from like an auteur perspective, I think if he was capable of like growth as a filmmaker, this could be something. I wouldn't say it would be good, but I think it could be like a fascinating curiosity. And as is, it's getting close to there at points. But it, I, I think it could be, I think it could be 
something that a lot of people would defend uh, on like a it would be like sort of a, one of those movies like fuck i don't know southland tales or something where the people could like defend it from like a weird perspective but if this is only if doug was capable of really growing and maturing as a filmmaker which he is not and i i I don't know. It, it feels it, it makes this whole series kind of sad because you can tell he really, really wants to branch out and do something ambitious and, you know, maybe even toy with like long form storytelling. But it's just not going to work for him. It's not what his audience wants. It's not something he's really good at. And it's uh, it's it's sad. It is kind of sad that he's going to be trapped forever doing something that's way less meaningful. Yeah, and we should. an important part of this is that the idea for Demo Reel that Doug and Rob had predates the Nostalgia Critic. Like, this is an idea yeah. on, on the IMDb trivia. It says, actually, IMDb trivia, again, very damning in the way that it's written. They talk about how, you know, they had this idea in 2007 for this show that would parody current movies because there wasn't really a show that they could think of that was like, you know, week to week doing, you know, gags and sketches about the movies that were out right now. Um, and then uh, they say, well, maybe the the problem is that, you know, by the time Demo Reel came out, Robot Chicken had been on the air forever. Uh, Robot Chicken was yeah. already on the air. It had premiered before 2007, which the trivia does <laughs> note. But, you know. Like, all, all of the Family Guy Star Wars parodies came out by the time Demo yeah, Reel went on that's the air. It. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just going to say just going to say, probably a better use of your time to watch the Family Guy Star Wars parodies. Than, the Family Guy Star Wars parodies re- aren't 50 minutes long, as I recall. Oh, no, they are. They are 50 minutes long. Oh, my long. God, really? They're, yeah, they're quite oh, long. Jesus Christ. Especially especially if you watch the extended DVD version. No! Some of them get to, like, an hour long. <laughs> oh, God. Extended DVD versions of the Family Guy Star Wars parodies is such a deeply haunting sentence. I, I spent a week watching those for the podcast. It was a fun episode, but I I had I rewatched the entire Star Wars trilogy and the and the parodies of them on Family Guy. It is so it it was quite an experience. But okay, anyways, <laughs> that do we have anything else to add about the second episode before we talk about Linkara's personal perspective on demo reel? Um, I mean, I think we've really talked about like. What 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 we really what you really got to understand about the second episode is how, is the darkness of it, you know? Yeah. Is that this is all like the movie parodies are almost incidental to this episode. In fact, I questioned whether or not Doug had even seen Wreck and Ralph because the John C. Riley voice he's doing does not sound like John C. Riley. It sounds this bizarre. That was supposed Southern to be John accent. C. Riley. What? That was supposed to be John C. Riley. That's who plays Wreck and Ralph. I've never seen Wreck-It Ralph, honestly. I, I saw it like when it came out, but yeah, that's the voice of Wreck-It yeah. Ralph, and it does not sound like him at all. What? Yeah, I love I love my favorite actor John C. Riley, whose voice sounds like, "Well, I do declare." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so you have to understand the darkness, and you have to understand that it it ends with like this big moral about like family is what you make it and uh they the demo reel crew all spends thanksgiving together as a family it's it's really earnest it's really really fucking earnest it feels like the end of a a sitcom episode like the thanksgiving special and it 
almost makes me kind of curious to check out the rest. Not like curious enough that I'm enthusiastic, but I kind of want to see where it goes. So I'm actually, I'm actually going to ask, um, ask the audience right now. Uh, we only plan to do these first two because we don't want to die watching every single episode in one week. But if you want us to do the rest, let us know. If you want us to just move on to the review must go on, Uncanny Valley, The Wall, then I don't know. You all let us know. We'll base it off of feedback. But yeah, it, it makes me curious on what direction Doug takes this in. Yeah. Cause, and the other thing that's important about the last two episodes, the, the, the ending of the second episode, I should say, is that um, and the ending in the first episode, there are these post credit scenes that like tease like an ongoing narrative um, <laughs> where the uh, the Sweden Actors Guild or SWAG for short is going to come after Demo Reel for like doing a Jesus. bad version of of their the thing. swag. They're called swag. That's going to haunt me. That's, I took a screen cap. I said to Spencer as soon as I finished it, just a screen cap of the ending of episode two, which is this like uh ominous silhouette and underneath is just the word swag <laughs> oh god that's gonna be that's gonna be the picture <laughs> yes. for the episode <laughs> okay so uh about demo reel by coincidence uh last month um a youtuber named lady emily uh made a video essay about demo reel I haven't watched it yet. I haven't either. But, but uh, it seems interesting, and I, you know, based on what it, what I've gleaned, I think it might be worth checking out. I can't say that I've seen it, so, you know. But uh, if that interests you, you can check it out. And underneath the uh, tweet that she made about it, um, Linkara responded and provided a lot of insight about um, about. Demo reel. And we're going to read it to you right now. We're going to read to you what Linkara said about demo reel and give some insight. And I've read through it and it makes the demo reel story even more tragic than it actually is. Uh, okay. So Linkara says, uh, you just finished it. Here we are. And here's a few things I can add as someone who was talking to Doug at the time. One, Yes, the marketing was one of the worst aspects that played into Demo Reel's initial rejection by fans. Aside from not telling the other producers about the end of uh, end, those of us who were in the cast of To Boldly Flee knew, of course, we all knew that introducing the big replacement to the critic right away was a bad call. It was meant that he needed to hit the ball out of the park immediately. Doing the buildup was good, but Nostalgic Critic was the cash cow we all knew that it needed, needed to to be great if the people were going to stick around. Even at the time, people were saying that they were going to leave and stop watching because they only cared about the NC reviews. They didn't want original content. But hey, we had supported Doug and we thought he might be able to make it work since Nostalgia Critic Dead worked. And of course it didn't. Demo Reel should have been introduced earlier, a year or two before the end of the critic, making occasional episodes instead of a full-on production. That way they could workshop the series as the eventual replacement, even tell fans, it's not like I'm going to stop doing videos. Here's Demo Reel and here's some samples of recent stuff to show the cool stuff we've been doing with it. What's worse is they apparently bought the studio long before they were actually going to use it, <laughs> meaning it was burning money while not producing anything for them. <laughs> yeah, that that is... <laughs> Oh <laughs> that's great <God. laughs> that's so great Doug. just wasting money on a studio <laughs> <laughs> oh god um um 
And Lakara said, and I will say I was encouraging him. At the time, the critical reaction from those who wanted to give it a chance, myself included, was st straightforward. The movie parodies were played out, and choosing the Nolan Batman movies, a subject that he had well-trotted out by this point, was a poor one. The behind-the-scenes action of the characters in the studio was far more interesting and funny, so focus on that. And that, of course, led to trying to incorporate the movie parodies into the plot more. Sure, they were still um, sweeting films. Yeah. So that's, they, uh, they uh, reference this a little bit, but it comes from the Michel Gondry movie, Be Kind, Rewind. Um, the mm. plot of which is like, you know, Jack Black and, uh, I don't remember his co-star, is like, uh, they're video store employees and for some reason they have to like, make their own cheapo versions of movies, like, to save the video store. And they, the joke mm. in the movie is like, oh, this is the version from Sweden. So they, it became like a thing online. It's like the Sweden version um, is like the the, the cheap uh, zero budget remake, um, and that's the the swag thing. Is they're the Sweden Actors Guild? Um, yeah, it's you know it's silly. I don't know. Um, sure, there were still Sweden films, but making a central parody be more story driven for the characters. It's clear that he was trying to salvage the reaction to Demo Reel by becoming more character driven stories, adding depth to them beyond their superficiality that he had defined about them. And it backfired for the reasons you listed off. Uh, this is referencing the video essay. On the subject of the serious stuff, part of it is that Doug wants to discuss some of those issues, but he doesn't understand them. Either by ignorance or ego, he is incapable of recognizing why these subjects are not he's not qualified to cover. But yeah, I celebrated the shift too and felt the show got better, but before I but even before I broke away, I had zero desire to ever rewatch them. It was rather uncomfortable and weird and not really what I had gotten into Doug for initially, anyways. Uncomfortable and weird. I am now really morbidly <laughs> curious about where this show goes. Yeah. Um since what is it uh since he was uh my friend i wanted him to succeed and i wanted the show wanted to show support but yeah the writing was on the wall after a while that it wasn't going great when he told me they were stopping demo reel and bringing back the critic i actually strongly told him not to that i would be accepting that he couldn't do anything else but the critic and giving in to the unreasonable demands from a fan base that wouldn't ever be happy and would assume that they could demand anything from him later this is this is actually i think a pretty good point on linkara's yeah, part i think that 100%. i yeah i think that even if the show had sucked it would have been a wiser move long term for doug to just keep doing it and you know if it tanks I mean, I guess he needs the money, but, like, he should have given at least, like, more time than, like, eight episodes to see if it could sustain a he could sustain a career off of it. And also, again, he's right that the fans, like, if they get this, then they will hold it against him forever. What I had later learned was that Doug himself wasn't actually aware of how bad Demo Reel was doing until the decision to cancel it. In another of those examples of face bombing concerning Doug... Because he has other people who manage the business side of CA, he doesn't actually do anything with his own damn accounts. It was Blip TV back then, but same issue with analytics. He didn't upload, others uploaded. He didn't keep track of the numbers, and so he didn't know how much it had tanked. Sure, he knew the reaction was bad, but not so much that everything else was sinking because of it. Again, <laughs> him not knowing. It's like with the, it's like the stuff with... um. To boldly flee, he was just kind of in his own world. He didn't know how bad this was doing. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's shocking. Uh, like the the idea that imagine they just like wouldn't tell him. I mean, first I guess the idea that they wouldn't tell him like, hey, you know, the site that you fucking run with us. Like, here's what's happening with it. But also the idea that he wouldn't ask. He never was like, hey, Rob, you know, what's the viewership looking like? Like, what's, how's the site doing? He just was not interested in that. He just didn't care. 
Mm. Yeah. I, imagine being the guy who told had to tell Doug that demo reel is flopping <laughs> hard. Like, <laughs> imagine the guy who has to like walk Doug out to the woods and be like, "Buddy, you got to put the show down. It's not working." <laughs> okay. And one other note Linkara had was that um, uh, is that the stuff at Bane at Arby's was one of those nostalgia critic jokes like Melvin Brother of the Joker or Let's Play Bart's Nightwear that was immediately widely hated by the audience. It was infamous. I honestly, that joke did go on forever, but I, I didn't think it of being especially bad compared to the rest of the stuff. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, I don't think of like Melvin Brother of the Joker, which by the way, a couple people have asked me if we're going to cover Melvin Brother of the Joker, and I'm going to say, no, I don't want to. <laughs> we're we're not covering Melvin Brother of the Joker. That's where we're drawing the line. <laughs> There's nothing to cover there. Oh, and further down in the thread, thread pfft, Jesus, further down in the thread, Lady Emily asks why the shorts in between... Um, in between episodes stopped and uh uh why it stopped and you mentioned how it would be a bi-weekly show but every week there would be new content and uh it turns out he did not hold to that and it was just every other week sometimes like once every three weeks there'd be something new and there was nothing else um and Linkara responded to say, I want to say he produced trailers or behind-the-scenes stuff, but I think it was just difficult with the more complex editing at the time to do a video per week, even if it was short stuff. More likely, if I recall correctly, that he started releasing Nostalgia Critics after reviews he had done for the DVDs and the like. Basically, anything to tide over the content gap from week to week. Maybe vlogs? I'm pretty sure that, indeed, the actual shorts that, like, stopped being a thing because I think he was the only editor at the time. And, well, as I've outlined before... Uh, they seemed very much against bringing out help outside the immediate inner circle to help with any of his stuff, including editing. That is insane. Yeah. That, how did he think that he'd be able to edit this much shit? Like, it, editing stuff like Demo Reel is an extremely time-consuming process, even if you don't even bother with sound design. Yep. But yeah, like, uh, you know, just, he, he's like, well, you know, I fucking edited Nostalgia Critic, which is just shots of me sitting in front of the wall, and then I throw in some shots from the movie. That's easy, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah, this, this, this amount of editing, especially for, like, a skit-based show with all, like, this chroma keying and effects, yeah, that, uh, he really over, over-promised on that. God. Um, mm. and, uh, after a few, after a few months, it, it was done for good, and he had to go back to doing the Nostalgia Critic. <laughs> so, uh, folks, if you want to see where demo reel goes, let us know. If you, if you just want us to move on, uh, also let us know. We're fine either way. But mm. yeah, I don't know if we're I mean, fine either way. Yeah, we're, we will continue but, either way. I'll say yeah, that. we will survive either <laughs> way. And uh, yeah, I think that's gonna do it. This is a. I can't say I recommend checking out Demo Reel, but I think it's an important piece of the Doug Walker puzzle. If, you, if you're, if you're in, as invested in, in his auteur story as we are. Absolutely. So uh, that's going to do it, folks. Uh, we'll see you either next week or the week after, and we'll be talking about whatever you all request from us. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye.